0: Hey, well, it's third Sunday of Advent, and this is a Sunday where we focus on a text from Luke chapter 1. And guys, back at the board back there, I'll go ahead and bring up the slide that has that text on it, It's later on in your list, because I want to focus on this text, and then we'll take our message from there. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Mary is before her cousin Elizabeth, having heard just shortly before this that she was going to uh, carry a baby and that Elizabeth was in fact pregnant too. And this is Mary's response. She sings a song. We call it the Magnificat. And Mary said, and, and Elizabeth affirms the, the, the uh, extraordinary nature of the child that Mary's carrying. And Mary sings in response and says, my soul glorifies the Lord. Picture her singing and maybe even gently dancing as she says these words. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Maybe that was the stanza. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. May God add his blessing to his holy word, his fully inspired message to us on this third Sunday of Advent. Go ahead and take your seats. Mary's Song. I want to take some time as we reapproach that text and add some weight to the context of that song. That song sung by the 12 or 13 year old young humble maiden that had just been given news that she's going to have a baby and his life is going to be profound. I've entitled this message, The Audacity of God. This is the how dare you ask that message about God. We have this phrase that circles in our home and I'm pretty sure it circles, makes its way to your home too. Uh, it's it's an old phrase, it's a rhetorical question and everybody knows the answer, yet it's sort of a snarky rhetorical question. It's actually more of a statement than a question. Don't you love it when statements are put in the form of questions and it goes like this. Is it too much to ask that dot, dot, dot? Like in our house, is it too much to ask that you would clean up your room and make your bed once in a while? Is it too much to ask that you pick up the clothes so we can at least come and be reminded of what color the carpet is in that room? Is it too much to ask? Anybody Anybody else? Brenda asks me that all the time. The <clears throat> Here's one I get asked a lot. I love this one. Because it makes complete sense, right? Is it too much to ask? that you put the dirty dishes right directly in the dishwasher instead of landing them somehow in the purgatory of the sink. We don't have purgatory, we're Protestants. Put them directly in the dishwasher, right? Is it too much to ask? And the answer is, no. No, guys, listen to me. If your lady asks you that, just say, no it's, no, it's not too much to ask. Do not answer yes. Things will not go well for you. It's not gonna end well. Is it too much to ask that you replace the gas when you use my car? Don't you hate that? You let someone drive your car, you thought you had fuel in it, you come, by early, you come back early in the morning, leaving to go to work or whatever, and you realize that little yellow light is on flashing, you need fuel. Is it too much to ask? We have this one going on in our household now because we've a lot of our family living with us right now for a little while. One of our sons has an aversion to even a gently dirty car, even a slightly dirty car. He cannot spell the word drought. (laughs) And he also has an aversion to putting away the bucket and rewinding the hose and putting things away after he's washed his car. And I want to come to him and say, I don't want to name the kid because I don't want to indict him, but, Josh, <laughs> is, it, <coughs> is it too much to ask that you put my vacuum cleaner back and coil up the hose and put the bucket and everything back where you found it? And his answer parallels my answer to Brenda when she says, will you help me make the bed? Because I said, why? We're going to sleep in that again tonight. <laughs> Waste of time. I'm going to wash my car again. So is it too much to... We all have our little versions of that that sort of spark something in us. But there are also, there are also questions where when, the, when it comes at us, is it too much to ask? And we think about it, <laughs> we want to say, yeah, it is too much to ask. That's, that's just too much to ask. Like, is it too much to ask to keep giving of your heart, your friendship, after years of being taken for granted, even taken advantage of? Yeah, frankly, it does feel like it's too much to ask. How many times must I forgive? Seven? Seventy times seven? You know, God, I love you and everything. Sometimes you just ask too much. The audacity of a God who knows my wound and still asks me to respond in a healthy way. Is it too much to ask to leave all of your school friends and the community you love just because mom or dad got transferred And you know what? The true answer is, it does feel like too much to ask. In fact, you ask some students who have gone through that, or many of you who have gone through that when you were younger. It feels like your whole world falls apart. Is it too much to ask for me to give up my whole life and die? Because that's what it feels like? And it feels like the answer ought to be yeah. You're just asking too much to vote against the war and then be asked to send your children off to fight it. That's too much to ask. To trust God with a nice Christian smile when all you've known for years is disappointment. To, really God, you want me to go to another baby shower when for seven years I've been asking you, please, for a child? Really, Lord, another Mother's Day? Or I have to go to church and watch everybody else get a flower? The oldest mother, please stand up. That's just too much to ask. The audacity, the gall, Lord. Yeah, sometimes he's a little bit interesting, isn't he? In the things he asks for us. Sometimes it feels as though God crosses the line. At least that's what I've experienced from time to time. To know what follow really means, and then hear from Christ these words. Lay down your life. Take up your cross. And come follow me. We sang it. Lead me to the cross. Still, I love the tune and the beat and the bass line. It all kind of carries us right to the heart of the song. Almost can sing it and forget the words because the next lyric, who can recite to me the next lyric? Lead me to the cross where I lay me down. I, I was thinking as we were singing that, we sang at first gathering, we sang it second gathering again, obviously. And I'm sitting in the second gathering thinking, you know, the truth is, don't lead me there. Lead me somewhere else, lead me to the party where I laugh and play, but don't lead me to the cross. That's too much to ask, the nerve. Which brings us to the greatest woman any of us will ever encounter I don't even have to say in my opinion. She's the greatest woman ever created by the hand of God. And she's also the patron saint of those from whom what God is asking is just too much to ask. Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose psalm we read. Now, let me remind you again of that text we read, And add some context to it. Because look at the hardship that God places on this great woman. In Luke 1, Mary humbly accepts her mission. By the way, we speak of what God asks of her there. But if you go back and read Luke chapter 1, before the text we read, carefully... There's no asking that's going on. Did you, you realize that? The angel didn't come and say, God chose you and wonders if you were into this or not. No, you're, you're 13 years old. You're awakened in the middle of the night. That morning you were sitting on your dad's lap, laughing and goofing around. Maybe you fed your little brother, went and got some water, said hi to the neighbor. La, la, la. You skipped back to the house. 12 years, 13 years old then, was older than 13 now, but it was still 13, just barely launching into womanhood. She had already been betrothed, so there was already an arranged marriage that was going on. She was building a friendship with Joseph, but they hadn't been together uh, sexually. They hadn't been together. They probably barely got to hold hands together. And that night, she gets this visitation from an angel that says, Not will you, but you look at it. It's a list of you wills and he wills. You will do this. This will happen. You've been chosen. Lucky you. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then she says, okay. But he never asked. He just said. And then in Matthew chapter 1, she's going to Experienced a sense of shame, whether it was as widespread and exactly the same kind of shame many of us who were growing up would have seen or experienced if we had a child out of wedlock, we don't know. Probably not, but some version of it. Matthew 2: Once the baby is born, bam, right into exile because of exile because of attempts on the life of her young son, led by Joseph. Luke 2, she raises a son that seemed not to need his mother very much. Luke 2, 48, read it. Hey, your mother's outside. Yeah, well, who's my mother? Just another woman. I don't think dads feel this the same way, but moms, generally speaking, there's I've seen, and I think it's true generally, there's this place where a son having attached more to his mom, realizes, hmm, I think I want to go hunting with dad and my uncles. And all of a sudden, there's this this baton has to be handed off. That's got to hurt. It's a good thing. It's a sign of health. You did it right. But what's that feel like? And then what would it feel like if you heard, after all you went through, after leading them in exile, after protecting and, and caring for and... And feeding and making sacrifices and maybe even together burying your husband. Joseph is lost to history rather early. Somewhere more, some more, uh, uh, around Jesus being 13 or 14. We don't hear about Joseph anymore after that. How does it feel when you hear, he just said you can go ahead and wait outside. He's hanging out with some other people. Mary had to experience that. Luke chapter 11, Jesus publicly downplays her importance. John 7, Mary looks, this is painful for moms and dads, maybe one of the most painful things you can experience. She looks and she realizes, my children are not getting along very well. There's jealousy and insecurity and backbiting, and most of it revolved around her one son, Jesus. John 18, her son Jesus is arrested. He's falsely accused, convicted at an illegal trial where there was no quorum, trial at night. And then she watches her son savagely beaten. She doesn't just hear that he went through hardship, she watches. Every time the whip falls across his back, she hears it. Every time he clenches, she winces. And then she's at the cross. She sees him suffering on the cross. Listen, that wasn't a pure and little, nice little sterile setting there. The smell of death was there. Moaning on the, by the people who were on either side. Jesus was—he was hardly recognizable. He had been beaten so severely. Mothers, can you imagine standing there and experiencing that? And then hearing him as he slowly suffocates that gurgling sound as you can barely catch your next breath. Adjusting himself on the cross so he can breathe and then letting himself slide down again so he can have the pain relieved a little bit. Struggling to speak the very few words he spoke from the cross. Mary's there watching that. And then, maybe as painful, when it comes time for him to die because he knows it's imminent. He hands his mother off to his friend, John. Okay, well, how was that painful? How would it feel to realize your family is so dysfunctional that your son can't even be confident that he can hand his mother off to one of his brothers? Mary had other children. Why wasn't she given to one of them? And how did that feel to her? Husband's probably dead. Son that everybody came to listen to, that she cared so much for and protected with just about everything. Gave up the whole family experience to protect him. And now it's all falling apart. This is it. It's come to this. She watches and hears him as he takes his last breath. And in Matthew 28, you have this reference to the Mary's going to the grave to prepare the body of Jesus. Many scholars believe that the mother of Jesus was one of those Marys. We're not sure, but she may well have been one going to the grave to prepare her son's body for its final resting place, only to find that it had been stolen as far as, what else would she know? And the pain of all that. Then having struggled through all of that, climbing that kind of a hill day after day after day. Man, that was no trip to Miami for Mary. In Acts chapter 1, we see her quietly moving to the upper room to pray and wait. And after that, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the greatest woman ever to touch down on earth, is lost to reliable biblical history. You know, it's, it occurred to me, Jesus was required to die one death. I think Mary was required to die a thousand deaths. All because of that visitation. And as far as I'm concerned, though I'm glad he did it, and i'm really glad that she aligned herself with it when god asked mary to do what god asked mary to do it was too much to ask he crossed over the line the audacity and what does she do in response she sings My question is, sings? Why was Mary singing? Mary should have been lamenting. Why was she singing a song of rejoicing and dancing and excited about the fact that she's pregnant and her cousin's pregnant and her cousin affirms that something great is going on in her womb and she sings? Why was she singing? What sane 13-year-old girl is going to rejoice when she's introduced to a challenge by God that's going to mean that kind of hardship? She sings. Here's why. Maybe she didn't understand what she was actually facing. Maybe Mary was just thinking, okay, you're pregnant, I'm pregnant, the kids will play together. Here's where we're indebted a bit to our Catholic sisters and brothers who have a great value for Mary, one from which Protestants should learn. She's one of the greatest human beings ever. This article in the National Catholic Register. Now, granted, there is a propensity among our Catholic sisters and brothers to maybe even go farther than work further than we're comfortable with, with elevating Mary, but only a little bit too far. So hear that. But here's this article from the National Catholic Register last Christmas time called What Did Mary Know and When Did She Know It? Let me just read an excerpt from it. Mary's fiat, her yes to God, was a moment of singular grace. Without Mary's yes, the incarnation would not have taken place. The incarnation, you remember, is the theological term for God coming and taking on flesh, God becoming incarnate in flesh and then dwelling with us. That's Jesus. Jesus. The incarnation would not have taken place. Mary would not unwillingly become the mother of God, nor would Mary's fiat have been meaningful if she hadn't understood what she was consenting to. Now, that's a presupposition, but I think it's a valid one. When Mary said yes, she knew what it meant. She knew that she had been chosen for an ineffable privilege. She also knew, I suspect, the writer puts it this way, that she was consenting to unsupportable sorrow. Where does he get that? Well, because on the initial visit, she's told that this is going to be son of God. This is going to be the king. She knew clearly. There are too many messianic references. This is Messiah. And she had also just passed and maybe even spoken to or been afraid of some of the Roman guard that she must have assumed he was going to grow up and overthrow. She probably didn't think that was going to happen. High card wins, low card leaves. It's going to be painful. God did not foist that on her either. When Simeon, now if she didn't know beforehand. She certainly knew by the time Simeon made his pronouncement later on. When Simeon told her of the sword that would pierce her soul because of this child. When he said that, the writer says, I doubt he was telling her anything. She didn't already already know. And then he finishes, she knew. Now, she may not have known everything, but she knew enough. So I come back to my original question, why is she singing? What gives Mary the strength to hear God ask too much of her and yet respond with such humility, such pure faithfulness, such measurable joy? Maybe she didn't know. (laughs) But on the other hand, maybe the reason Mary sings is because she did know. Maybe it's because she knew exactly, or at least significantly, some measure of what this meant. Because she knew what she was facing. Because she knew what was going to happen. And I think the text we read, which let's visit that again, Al, that text actually gives this away. Because in this text, Mary sings and says, because of this pregnancy, mercy is going to come to all those who fear God. There's going to be the scattering of the internally proud. And again, I think she had to be thinking about Roman domination and other things. The placing of the humble on the thrones of the unjust, causing the rich and the poor to trade positions, the showing of mercy to Israel and Israel's descendants. She actually is dancing because she knows that after this baby is born and lives his life and does what he was destined to do, people like us right here in this room have hope. And let me tell you something, those of you who have nieces and nephews and dear friends and children and grandchildren, wouldn't it be true that if you knew you could have a season in your life of uphill climbing that launched them into spectacular life for the rest of your lives, and you got that guarantee given to you, wouldn't you dance? I'd dance. Oh, yeah, baby. That my children have hope for the rest of their lives if I will find my way to the cross? You bet, man. Because I love them. And I want them to have life richer and better than my life. And I want character developed in them. And I want them to be people who bring good news and who announce to brokenhearted people that think there's no future for them. Oh, there's a future for you. Because someone who loved us suffered and gave us the greatest gift you could ever imagine. Wouldn't you dance and sing? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. The reason Mary danced after all of the awareness she must have had of what it meant for her to deliver this child, because she knew her delivering that child meant that you and your children would one day be delivered too. Maybe that's why she danced. Maybe that's why she could so easily sing My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. We're calling her blessed here today. For the mighty one has done great things for me. What are the great things he's done for you? I listed all the hardship. His mercy extends to those who fear him. You call that mercy? She must want to be here right now answering that question. You bet I'd call that mercy. Because good came from it. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Remember, she's saying this before the baby's born. It's less before she understands all that the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus will accomplish. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble, which is a good little message for us to remember how highly valued humility is to God. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. That's not a statement of God feeling repulsed by wealth those are representatives the arrogant the, uh, the arrogance that often goes with uh, significant wealth humility going with wealth is a rare thing to see and it's a blessed thing to see he has helped his servant Israel and this, this is really amazing remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors Mary in this song lets it leak that as far as she's concerned, as, how, as far as she understands it, it, her pregnancy and the potential birth of that baby equals God keeping his promise to Abraham. And the baby's still a zygote at this time, still an embryo. And God has kept his promise to Israel. And we are grafted in Israel. So, of course, she would dance. <laughs> God did all of this by choosing the humble to launch his humble entrance into history, where he would lead a humble rebellion that would be started through people's humble acknowledgement of their profound need for Jesus all because Mary knew something great was going to come. If only she would sing out a loud yes to this audacious challenge of God. Listen to me, (laughs) she knew. She knew enough of it and she still sang and danced. I hope that through this day, you'll be considering situations where God is just asking too much. Feels like you're asking too much. Yes, it is too much to ask. And when you think that, don't guilt yourself as normal. Because when he wants to see something outrageous and spectacular, And miraculous happen, something that blows our minds. He always has to ask too much of somebody. And every once in a while, every so often, he hears a response he's waiting for. Hmm. Go ahead. May it be for me as you have ordained it. I'll walk the uphill climb if something good can come from it. And may that encourage you. The audacity of God. Yeah, it leads to the great things he does. Now receive this blessing. Remember this. You're not just any church. You're a Marin Covenant church. Where mercy matters. Where good news reigns. Where justice is valued and shared. Go and live this week in the name of Christ. Act like a church of Christ. Love like you've never loved before. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.